I think anytime you are organizing, thinking ahead, categorizing, you're, you're managing a project. This is definitely, I would say this qualifies. Welcome to Manage This, the podcast by project managers for project managers. We're glad you've joined us for a conversation about what matters to you in the field of project management. It's a podcast where we routinely talk with experts, trainers, mentors, people who have been where you are now and where you're headed. I'm your host, Nick Walker, and with me are two guys who guide our conversation, Andy Crow and Bill Yates. And guys, I'm excited about this podcast for a couple of reasons. It's a chance to get to know our own people a little bit better, both professionally and personally. But it's also a chance to hear about managing a project like none we've ever talked about before here on this podcast. And to help us, we have an extra special guest in the studio today. So, Bill, why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, who's with Andy today? Yeah, we have Karen Crow in the office today in our podcast booth. It is so good to have you here. <laughs> this is clearly a case of um, the better half of the Andy and Karen <laughs> marriages here. Andy is like me in that he outkicked his coverage. And I think uh, today our guests have a chance to, to understand a bit more about that. Welcome, Karen. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> We're excited to hear more about the project. But first, Karen, I think for those who are not as familiar with Velocity, you were involved with the company before I started, uh, right from the start. And uh, just share with our listeners a little bit about that. When Andy and I started Velociteach, well, it was a little overwhelming. We <laughs> knew, like we had a solid plan. Andy had spreadsheets and, I mean, you know, he's a project manager. So sure. he, yeah. had, he had the plan, but it, there was just me and him to carry it out. The main thing that I have been involved in and continue to be involved in was creating the workbooks for live training classes, yeah. specifically the mind maps. Yeah, there, my... there are some listeners right now that are going, oh my gosh, I love her. <laughs> or others are going, the mind maps, they drove me crazy. I hate them. You either but love them or hate them. Yeah, That's true. Yeah, but it was it's such a great memorization device that we use. And uh, you're really, you're the mother of that. You really are. And I feel very, <laughs> they are my baby. I feel protective <laughs> of them. <laughs> so Andy and Karen, the reason we're all together here is that both of you are headed on what amounts to not only an adventure, but also sort of a project management challenge like uh, none you've ever encountered, a long-term sabbatical aboard the sailing vessel Gratitude. It's a project that has obviously involved untold hours of planning and preparation. But before we get into this, Andy, Why? What's what's the reason for all this? I think because it's there, uh, Nick. <laughs> you know what? Um, this is something that started out as a question. Uh, we're we're not retiring, but it started out as a question: Is this something we could do and enjoy in retirement? Mm-hmm. And I think after we explored and answered that question, the next question began to be: Well, why wait till retirement? Huh? <laughs> What triggered this for you both? I know, I, you know, I see Andy a good bit in the office. So I know he started getting this this desire to be on the water. And then I know Karen, you know, forgive the pun, but she got on board with it too. <laughs> but Andy, looking back in 2018, there was uh, back in the summer, you took a sailing class, right? Correct. Yeah, we went through uh, American Sailing Association certifications. 
And before that, what really started to, to foster your, for both of you, your kind of your passion for wanting to try this out? You know, it's probably a long winding story. I'll condense it <laughs> down to this. Um, years and years ago, and it's probably been 20 years ago, I read Jimmy Buffett's autobiography, A Pirate Looks at 50. And in that, he described his routine of when he wasn't performing on the road, he would get in a plane, he would fly a float plane out to some uninhabited island in the Keys and just go surf fish all morning. And then when he was tired of it or when he caught as many as he wanted to catch, he'd put them in the cooler and fly back home. And that idea captivated me. And I thought, well, thank you, Jimmy Buffett. You've just <laughs> defined what I want my retirement to look like. And so that idea persisted. And then um, around 2014, 2015, I started going fishing down in uh, Isla Morada in the Keys with a good friend of mine who um, has a fishing boat and is actually quite a good fisherman. And I started doing that and realized I really, really like being on the water. And sort of the third thing that triangulated in is that Karen and I were in Hawaii. Uh, we were on a dive, I believe, or snorkel. Snorkel tour. Yeah, snorkel tour at this point. We hadn't started scuba at that point yet. And um, and we were on a, on a boat, and it was a big catamaran, and the captain cut off the engines in the middle of the ocean. I said, what are you doing? And she said, we're going sailing. <laughs> and she raised the mainsail and raised the jib, uh, unfurled the jib, and it just overwhelmed me. I, I realized this is something I absolutely love. So huh. that's kind of the three things that sort of triangulated in. Tell us a little bit about your trip. I mean, we're, we're talking long term. Uh, how how long? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that depends. that's going to be a really <laughs> interesting question. <laughs> and, and where are you going? Well, my discussion continues on how long this trip is going to last. My first kind of concern about going out for an extended period of time was, how am I going to do leaving my kids, leaving my community? I'm very involved in the various places in my life. I'm very grounded and rooted here. So how are we going to make friends? How are we going to have that sense of belonging? So when we first started talking about an extended time was, my first thought was, well, we could kind of just dip our toe in the water and just mm -hmm. go out for you know, a few weeks. But the longer we discussed it and the longer we talked about the different factors that were making it possible for us to do this at all, we realized, you know, we need to, it needs to be longer than that. So I finally kind of put my stake in the ground and said, okay, I think I can do a year. If I can still have time to, if I can still like see my kids from time to time and come home and see my friends, then I think, I think a year will work. But Andy's opinion is different. Uh -huh. Yeah, I feel like um, we're looking at two years. I'm, wow. I would not invest this much in a in a boat. We're only going for one year. <laughs> it is just the two of you. Well, yes, yeah, we're um, we're sailing together. We're going to have friends and family down to join us in different legs of the journey from time to time. But yeah, I mean, and what people say is, regardless of your plans, eighty five percent of the time it's just going to be, you know, you. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people do this type of thing in different uh, different ways. Uh, we're going to take a, a sabbatical. We've got an open window in life um, and we're going to we're going to set out for a while and we'll see. I remember uh, laughing as I can laugh about it now, but back I think about the middle of 2018 you guys were looking, you know, we talk about spikes, right? Just experiments. Right. And 
I look at this project and I see the spike that you guys had back in August. Right. When you went to, to really, okay, let's do this. Let's, let's try class for two weeks, both to get certified and to see if Kieran is going to get sick on the water. Right. For <laughs> <two> <laughs> An important can, you know, question to answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah And yeah. is this something we can do together? Because yeah. there are there are scenarios where our training skipper would say, okay, Karen, you're the skipper for this. And Andy, you're going to be working the lines or you're going to be on the helm or whatever. And there were times when it was inverted. And that's not necessarily the way we really relate at home. We don't give each other orders. But you do mm-hmm. when you're the skipper in that role. You're basically calling the shots and somebody else is carrying them out. It sounds like an agile team. Well, <laughs> sort of. Uh, it's an agile team at home. It's more of a hierarchy uh, on the water. And it's it's interesting, Bill, because this is a spike for, for our listeners. Listeners who know a spike is an experiment, and it's generally considered to be throwaway code in a software sense. You 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 throw a spike to to run a test to find out an answer to a question. That is exactly what we were doing. We were throwing a spike with this. We were going to go through certification, um, figure out at the end is this something we can do and enjoy together. And the answer was yes. And it's interesting. From a project management perspective, I mean, let, let's talk a little bit about that. How is this similar to uh, to any other project, uh, perhaps that uh, that you've worked on in the past? Well, it definitely has phases, like a project. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> we've had to do a lot of pre planning to get ready. Just there's finding the boat, then purchasing the boat, mm-hmm. then equipping and outfitting the boat. And that's tricky because there aren't many boats for sale right now. Mm. The hurricane wiped out the inventory. Oh, wow. And a lot of the new inventory was gobbled up by the charter fleets. So Mm. they depend on... It's a two-year wait. Yeah. Basically, if you want a new boat, you have to wait a couple of years, minimum. So we had a lot of... And we also had a a bit of a learning curve. We'd never bought a boat before. So this was... Yeah. And this is a big boat. It's a 48-foot catamaran. So it's uh, it's a sailing boat, uh, not a not a power boat, even though it has engines on it. So uh, this is just a big catamaran. Right. We knew that we were the team. It was going to be me and him. We also have a pretty good idea of strengths and weaknesses. We've been married for 30 years. And so (laughs) I think we know each other by now pretty well. We did a little bit of division of labor and said tasks A, B, and C. We're going to give those to him. Karen's better at D, E, and F. So we... uh, there was a pretty natural division of labor. Basically, she went out and found the boat, and I figured out how to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I've got to note, too, Karen's smart enough. She got a, a double hull catamaran, right? So there's kind of a your side and his side. That's right. If it comes to that. And there's yeah. a forward cockpit and an aft cockpit. <laughs> right. So there's always some place to escape for both of us. <laughs> you mentioned hurricanes. Of course, that, the first thing that pops into my mind is, Well, you being know, a weather, yeah, guy. Mr. weather yeah. guy. I, I expect a Heads up if you see any head in my way, just so you know. Yeah, okay. I've got your number. <laughs> but but really, I mean, you've got to research times of year to go, where where to go, what the weather's like. In, yeah, in, in, in and our insurance policy helps with that, too, because they say between January, uh, July 1st and November 1st, you are not to be above 12 degrees, 40 minutes north latitude, which is basically Grenada. you got to go down okay. to Grenada and hide out or below. All right. Well, that's that's that sets my mind at ease right. a, a little bit because I, I do have these visions. You know, uh, the weather started getting rough. The diamond ship pushed off. You know, I, I, I picture this. You know. My college roommates have all have given me all the Gilligan jokes you can imagine. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> you know what's funny is there's probably a third of our listeners who have no idea. Hey, Gilligan? What? Gilligan? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> is that on YouTube? <laughs> who's Mr. Gilligan? Go ahead. So, so, well, you, you, know, you, you mentioned budget. You, you mentioned you had to figure out how to pay for it. Okay, the elephant in the room. Are you guys billionaires? Uh, how, how, how did you pull this off? Well, it was uh, through some creative stuff. You know, a lot of people do it different ways, Nick. And so it's funny. There are actually people out there who create a GoFundMe page and people, <laughs> they will do videos of their sailing adventures and, and get money. Um, no, we're not doing that. We're, um, we're continuing to be involved in Velociteach, um, obviously continuing to sell books and resources and things like that and just be as involved as we can be while we're on the water. So um, it's, it's just a sabbatical is what it is. We're not looking at it as retirement or anything else. <laughs> Yeah, it was one of the funny things I thought is is I was thinking about people listening and hearing this story. It's like, okay, this is equivalent to buying a vacation home or something like that. Yeah. Now, there's some risk, right? I mean, it's one thing to buy a house. You can walk around and imagine yourself in. You can figure out where stuff fits and where you're going to go shopping and all that. Not the case here. It's very sure. different, but it's still, you know, it's not ridiculous. But there are things about a boat, uh, a sailing vessel that are just different. Right. You know, to your point, Karen, you're you're learning to sail. You're learning what kind of equipment do I need for this? You know, what special training do I need, certifications that I need? And it made me think about project managers for some of the projects that we inherit and have to lead. Many times we're getting blown away with new stuff. There's so much new stuff right. to learn. Yes, exactly. So how did you guys tackle some of that? Well, some of it is thinking ahead to okay, we know we're going to be living on the boat. And some of the basic tasks of living are cooking and eating. So I start researching first on the internet, then buying cookbooks and thinking, all right, how are we going to provision? What kinds of, we got a little taste of that when we did our certification class, because we were living on a catamaran there. But I went to the grocery store with our captain to kind of see what sorts of things are available in the Caribbean. It's different than what you can find at home. <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, it's quite a bit. And there, there are plenty of stores. It's not like we're going to be, you know, out in the wilderness with nothing to um, purchase. But there's just different kinds of things available. Doing a lot of, like, reading and research and planning for how are we going to store food? How are we going to get food out there. My guess is we'll be eating a lot of fish because Andy wants to do a lot of fishing. Yeah. So yeah. I bought a huge fish cookbook. And uh, my buddy... I mean, a monster. I mean, this thing, it could be a coffee table book. It's so it, big. It's impressive. <laughs> my friend gave me three fishing rods that he had made for us uh, with the boat's name on it. So oh, they're nice. beautiful. Oh, yeah. They're absolutely nice beautiful. It's a really nice gift. as a Bon Voyage gift. Mm. So uh, I've got to. My pride's going to require that I catch some fish oh, or yeah. at least show pictures of me holding fish. <laughs> and I figure I want to cook more than fish tacos. So yeah. <laughs> I should ask, how did you come up with the name? Hmm. It was a long process. We kept trading. We started a document together <laughs> that we both had access to. And every time one of us thought of a name we liked, we would put it in the document. Andy, who hates collaborating. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a choice here. <laughs> well, one of the things we had read was when you're out on the water in the boating community, Nobody learns each other's last names. Hmm. You're known as hmm. Andy and Karen on gratitude. So the name of your boat essentially becomes how you're known. A big part of your identity. Wow. A uh -huh. big part. It's, it's literally your name when you're out on the water. Hmm. So we were like, 
no, we're not going to be mm. Andy and Karen Party Central, you know, or mm. Andy and Karen. I don't know. We're just not going to come up with something. We wanted to come up with something that was representative of us. And I would say we're spiritual people. We are also like philosophical people. We wanted whatever name we came up with to have meaning, mm-hmm. something personal to us. Gratitude has been an important concept. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I want to shift gears a little. I'm going to pivot a little bit. Yeah. How, again, as you're figuring out basics, like how do I outfit this boat? How do I find um, reputable people that I can trust to give me good guidance on things like routes we should take or ports that we should hit or stores that we can trust or, you know, good advice to get. How did you find those resources? Because again, you're not, you know, it's not something about a local where you can talk to a neighbor and see who you use as a plumber, as an electrician, et cetera. How did you guys find those resources that you felt like you could trust? Well, I would say there are sailing forums, There are tons of books. There are tons of YouTube channels. So it was easy to kind of start there, just get a sense of who are people talking about, who are people recommending. And interestingly enough, the the couple that we're buying our boat from, we discovered from a YouTube channel. They they have a very popular YouTube channel, in fact. They're YouTube stars. Yeah. (laughs) When we began to talk to them about buying their boat, he turned out to be an incredible resource. He's basically opened up his Rolodex, again, if you're younger than... 25, a Rolodex is what we used to use before context. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Nick mentioned one of the biggest risks in my mind, which is a hurricane. (laughs) Talk to me about the risks that you guys were looking at as you stepped into this. And and I know certainly with Andy, his brain naturally goes into risk register, you know, identify, plan, take action. How did you guys walk through some of that? That was uh, an interesting process because, you know, with with risks, you do quantitative and qualitative analysis. And the reason you do that after you've identified the risks is it's easy for our brains, the way the human brain works, to get tricked and to start looking at, at the wrong risks. And so, you know, what most people are freaked out about that, that talk to me is about pirates. Well, it does happen. You know, there are incidents of piracy, but the cruisers that I've talked to, the sailors that I've talked to, not only have they never had anything happen, they've never known anyone Hmm. who's actually had that happen. So now you look at it and you say, okay, probability and impact, the probability is really low. Now, the impact would be high, but things like that. So you start to look at the risks. Here's the real risk. The real risk is you drop your anchor, you think it's set, you go to bed in some marina or some harbor at night, and the wind shifts direction, and your anchor drags and blows you into a reef, and your boat sinks. That's a real risk. Mm. That's something you have to worry about. Um, So, you know, it's the things that you look at. And, you know, so we've gone through training on how to do that and how to set the anchor and how to know and those types of things. But that's still a a legitimate risk. Weather is a big risk. Um, Running into another boat, you know, not paying attention, just sloppiness, uh, things like that. And you you read a lot of horror stories (laughs) about those types of things. So... Um, you know, people who come into a marina late at night and it's dark and they don't know the, the channel markings well and they miss and, uh, you know, you're supposed to uh, go through the channel and maybe they go on the wrong side of it and run into a reef and the boat sinks. And it happens all the time. And so those are the kinds of things you worry about. 
Well, and even running into a sandbar, you you use charts to know the depths of the different areas that you're going. But, you know, especially in a place like the Bahamas, where it's very shallow, a place that's been affected by a hurricane, the bottom of the ocean shifts. It's not a static environment. We were in a wedding in Florida last weekend. The groom wanted to come in on a boat. Okay, so I'm with him because I'm part of the wedding party. We're on the boat. Another guy is piloting the boat, very able uh, pilot for this boat, and he runs it right into the sand, mm. and the boat stops, and the engine cuts off. Start it up, engine cuts off again. And we're sitting there on the way to the ceremony, you know, and it's just so, so yeah, even guys who know what they're doing uh, can, can, they say there's two kinds of sailors, ones that have gone aground and ones that lie about it. Yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Nick, I think of uh, Rodney Dangerfield and uh, uh, Caddyshack. Caddyshack. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've got control of this. <laughs> That's interesting because... The risk assessment is sort of looking outward as well. You're not just looking at, okay, what do we need to do uh, for our own benefit, but you're, you're, you're having to worry about others that yes. you don't have any control over, really. Yeah, that's correct. Environmental awareness, big time. So it, it's the two of you, but yet it, it is bigger than just the two of you. Uh, you know, what, what sort of stakeholders are, are involved in this project? The first stakeholder is the poor guy that we've got coming down to sail with us for eight days. He's a Coast Guard skipper, and he's going to get us uh, out of all our bad habits and back into the <laughs> straight and narrow on this. So that guy would be the first one. I would say our kids are definitely stakeholders. They're all three on board. They're, huh, I used another pun <laughs> unintentionally, sorry. They, we asked each one of them what they thought about it, and they each had an interesting response different, but they were all supportive. And we're basically, we're empty nesters. So yes, yeah, the yes. recent empty nesters, but still. Our youngest is in college now, which blows my mind. She was very supportive. She said, mom, go live your life. I think it's great. Our middle son going to be living in our home and maintaining it while we're gone. So he loved the idea because it means he can save a little money for a house of his own. <laughs> and our oldest has always been a boat person. So he was ecstatic. He was really thrilled. But they're definitely stakeholders because we're going to be depending on them while we're away, mm. not just in caring for our home and our other property, but just to stay in touch. And, and we've got lots of friends and extended family that we uh, we hope will come visit us while we're on this. Mm. We've got we've got three uh, staterooms on the boat, so hopefully we'll only be using one of those most of the time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and those of us here, you know, left behind in, in Velocity's obviously are, are going to miss you. Um, have you had to make any sort of preparations? You know, this has got to happen while I'm gone? Very much. We've been uh, putting a lot of systems and practices and processes into place. Um, we expect to have communication ability on the boat, so uh, internet, satellite. Um, so we'll be able to communicate uh, while we're gone. Bill and I have worked together, how long now, Bill? 14 years, 15 a, a oh, long time. Yeah. And yeah, so years. we've we kind of know what to expect from each other and uh, have uh, worked out most of the kinks in our working relationship. And so, um, yeah, we've definitely made some some uh, changes. One good thing, Nick, we went through a big project in 2018 to get our resources realigned with the sixth edition PMBOK guide. And so those are stable for four years. You know, and uh, not that we won't make any changes because I'm famous for tinkering and tweaking. 
but those resources are now out there and they're somewhat stable. And then, uh, you know, we're using that. That was a big part of this window and the timing as well. So, Karen, we'll see you in about three years. <laughs> just kidding. Don't just put got any extended. new ideas into his head, Bill. <laughs> just kidding. No, I think about any organization that takes on a big new project, people are going to be asked to drop things or, or okay, 60% of your job is now this new thing, right. 40% is here. And I've seen you both having to do that in relationships. You both are very involved in the community. You know, there's family, there's community service that you do. Right. And then you have two organizations that you run. So I've right. seen you doing a lot of that. Very similar to the kind of analysis we have to do when we're taking on a new project and think, okay, there are things I've got to get off my plate. Who's going to pick it up and run with it? And you know what? We're a pretty organized, process-driven company. But it was funny. Uh, that sixth edition conversion was bigger than any of us thought. It was uh, the conversion of our books and resources, uh, refactoring some of our online resources, rewriting all of our question content. And the more you look at it, it was, it was a big project. Would you agree? Absolutely. We created four new mind maps. <laughs> yes. <I> mean, <laughs> you know that, brand you new. You know that firsthand. Right. Yeah. So it was yeah. big. I think of the uh, some of the communication challenges that you guys have because of where you're going to be located. And I think of some of the guests that we've had in this room before and how they talked about whether it was uh, Dr. Chuck Casto. Uh, Andy, you remember him describing when he was in Japan and some of the, the issues they had is uh, this uh, uh, nuclear disaster had just right. occurred, this event. And, okay, what kind of communication can we depend on or not? And uh, just the urgency that we have sometimes. And uh, I know that, you know, that's some risk playing that you guys have in terms of looking at what communication will you have available to you? I will give that some thought as I'm pretending I'm Jimmy Buffett surfing. <laughs> <and fishing. laughs> um, you know, we, we're going to be near shore most of the time. We expect to have cell phone communications. We expect to have data. We expect to have uh, internet in limited quantities, although the goal is not to go stay on Facebook for two years. Right. <laughs> Are you going to be crossing any major uh, bodies of water, any, any oceans? Are you... Uh, not yeah, yeah. right away. <laughs> if I have my way, eventually we'll see. Uh-huh. We'll get there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. We're. I'm not saying no, but I know that a lot of the people that we've talked to who have major objections, which most people don't, but a <laughs> few most do. people don't. But there are a few, and they're pretty vocal. I think that's what they're worried about. They're worried that we're going to go out and try and cross the Atlantic in the first month. That's not our goal. Our goal is to get more competent as sailors, and then see where it takes us. So you're not ruling it out. Uh, not oh. ruling it out, but <laughs> far from it, Nick. <laughs> but no, no, it's a, it's a long-term goal. We'll put it that way. Okay. Because <laughs> you don't know how things are going to go. You gotta, in your planning, you gotta have room for life to happen. So what else has to happen now? But between now and the time you actually hit the water, that's funny. We, so we started off. One of the first things we did is uh, we have a room in our home that kind of became the sailing room. And we spread out a big piece of butcher paper and started putting sticky notes on it and creating a WBS for everything mm. that has to happen. And there were there were categories of things that have to happen with work, um, things that have to happen with home, with our house, things that we need to do relationally with our children to get them launched and so forth, things that we need to do to find a boat, then things we need to do to provision that boat in whatever state we find it. So there was quite a bit. So there was an awful lot, and those were not all of the categories. Um, 
you know, I spent hours watching videos of people repair boats and trying to figure out what tools I was going to mm. need because there's a lot mm. of maintenance on a sailboat in the ocean. Um, now, at this point, we've staged half of our life in a storage locker um, mm. uh, near the boat. And uh, soon we're going to move all of that stuff in less than two weeks onto the boat and actually move on. And that's when things get a lot more interesting. But right now, I think for us, or at least from my perspective, the things that have to happen, we just have to get everything situated. We're almost to the point now we've made so many lists and put so many things down there. We've had friends help drive things down to Florida. The boat's in Fort Lauderdale today. And they've been driving down there and, you know, dropping stuff off that we can store. We've had things shipped down. We've carried multiple suitcases down over several trips. Now we almost just want to get it on the boat and look around and see what's missing, mm. uh, which is uh, not the not the most project management way to go about it, but it's probably <laughs> about the best, most practical way. We probably have a little bit more navigation planning to do. I know that the first eight days we will have a captain with us, and he's made this route that he's taking us on many times, so we can trust him. But, you know, part of the purpose of bringing him on board is to help us get better at route planning. Mm. I would say that that doesn't have to happen before we leave, but it's got to happen pretty quickly upon mm. our departure mm. because once he's gone, it'll be up to us to figure out our... There's all kinds of navigational tools you use. And so that's, that's an area where we're both looking forward to sharpening our skills. It occurs to me that you, you have to be a project manager to do something like this, whether you've ever been one or not. You you, yeah. you become one, I, I guess, uh, in, in this process. Yeah, you get dunked in uh, very quickly, steeped in in all of the things. And, and either that, you know, the, I guess the advantage is uh, we're kind of getting philosophical about it now and saying, look, whatever we forgot, there's probably a Costco down there. <laughs> and, <so we're laughs> and a Target. <laughs> yeah, we'll just figure it out. But yeah, you really do. Um, you got to think through a lot of areas of your life. And some areas are really easy and some of them are a little trickier. You know, if you if you take medication, well, how am I going to get medication in the Caribbean and where am I going to get it? Mm. And, you know, do they have the same? It, it, there's so many different things to consider. And so we do. We've got a lot of uh, we've put a lot of planning into this trip. And I suppose, too, there are folks listening who say, you know, I, I didn't realize, but I've been a project manager all my life. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I think anytime you are organizing, thinking ahead, categorizing, you're, you're managing a project. This is definitely, I would say this qualifies. Well, and both of us, we had the, these moments where we were feeling overwhelmed and starting to document some of these things and just talking through the concerns with each other because uh, I guess we're the two primary stakeholders in this. And just <laughs> talking through the things that stress, well, it was interesting because at one point, um, I think I think Karen is just better at doing certain kinds of paperwork than I am. It makes me insane to go through some of this stuff. And she just plows through it and methodically gets it done. But at one point, I was getting overwhelmed with paperwork. And she said, well, let me. Well, it was nice, you know, and mm. then I was having to negotiate for something else. And that's something I didn't mind doing. And so we found a good trade-off and were able to to complement each other's skill sets. So obviously, we will be following your journey. Uh, can others do the same? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have a blog called sailingwithgratitude.com. 
and that's probably one good way. Um, we're setting up an Instagram. I think it is at SV for Sailing Vessel, at SV Gratitude. And uh, we'll definitely try and keep some content out there as this journey gets started. Do you feel prepared? Are you ready? I think we're as ready as you can be for someone who's never done this before. It's funny. It's like asking uh, first-time parents, you know, are you ready? Well, yeah, I guess. You know, I'm ready for this baby to show someone up. Someone who's never been married before. Are you ready? Well, uh-huh. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think we are. We, we've, uh, we've gone through a decent amount of training. We've done a ton of research. Um, we have read, 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 and... Uh, you know, obviously, we've we've lived on board a catamaran for a little while and spent some time and learned various techniques and methods. So, yeah, I think uh, I think we're ready for the next step. So, obviously, you have all your supplies ready to go, but there are two things here that uh, we need to add to uh, the supplies, and that is to manage this coffee oh, mug. Oh yeah, we you couldn't live without. <laughs> I can't wait to use them. <laughs> Every morning, it'll be your first memory. That'll be the first thing go, that I see. <laughs> well, we can't wait to hear from you from time to time. Thank you so much, Karen, for being here. It was a pleasure. I, I just I wish you the best. This is going to be some adventure for sure. So we've wished Andy and Karen a bon voyage, and it's just you and me, Bill. Now yeah. we're, we're sitting here looking at each other across the table going... Just the two of us. Just the two of us, dude. What are we going to do? <laughs> I say we keep it going. Yeah, let's, uh, that's a great idea. Yeah, there's so many interesting projects and contributors out there. So, yeah, we've got a lot on the docket. You know, there also, we've recorded some with Andy already. A couple I know are coming up where Andy was in the room. So there'll be a few where Andy's in the room. And then long term, I mean, I'm sure he's going to jump in and have conversations with us either here in the room or from wherever he may be. Yeah, I mean, we'll be able to uh, to correspond with him. We'll yeah. be able to maybe even Skype with him yeah. uh, out over the water somewhere, right. depending on, uh, you know, what sort of connectivity he has. Exactly. Uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to getting frequent updates about his trip. Yeah. A special word to our listeners now. It's a reminder that you've just earned free PDUs, professional development units toward your recertifications, just for listening to this podcast. To claim them, go to VelociTeach.com and choose Manage This Podcast from the top of the page. Click the button that says Claim PDUs and click through the steps. That's it for us here on Manage This. We hope you'll tune back in on February 19th for our next podcast. In the meantime, we'd love to have you visit us at VelociTeach.com slash Manage This to subscribe to this podcast, to see a transcript of the show, or to contact us. And tweet us at manage underscore this if you have any questions about our podcasts or about project management certifications. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, keep calm and manage this.